Hello and welcome to Unofficial Part of the Sports Business Podcast. I'm Richard Gillis. This is an episode of The Buy Side, our regular series where we talk to brand marketing people about sport and sponsorship. And our guest today is David Parrow, Head of Global Sponsorships at MoneyGram, the financial services company which became the title sponsor of the Haas F1 team in 2022. So this is a conversation that takes us inside the business of Formula One. Gunther was a very unique asset as team principal, and we did utilize him in ways maybe different than other teams would do, and he had a certain marketability. Gene made a decision that that was not the direction that, that they wanted to go. And so we move on and are focusing on what we do, and we'll see where the performance is because that's obviously what they felt they were making the decision on that we weren't involved in at all. And you know, it's kind of funny because it, it harkened me back to when, when we first announced that we were going to become the partner. It was actually in 2022 at Austin. And it was before Mick Schumacher had been let go from the team. And people were wondering if we were going to be involved in that and are we going to push an American driver and stuff like that, which is just so far from the way we think about this stuff. The Buy Side is sponsored by Core Software, the global leader in engagement marketing solutions. More than 900 brands, venues and sports organisations trust Core's tools and platforms as a source of truth to manage partnerships, assets and measure impact with real-time insights. Through sponsorship management and evaluation, ticketing, fan engagement, data management and analytics, Core unites corporate sponsors, properties and their fans with solutions that enhance the fan experience, drive smarter decisions and enable marketing and operations teams to spend time where it matters. Learn more at coresoftware.com or follow them on LinkedIn or Twitter. We're going to go into, I think, lots of different areas. It's going to be, it's going to be sport and sponsorship and F1, and there's going to be a whole load of questions around that. Before we get there, I want to just want to talk about you. So if we start by Liverpool fan... How did well, that come about? How, why, what, what, why, you know, me and Sean, Spurs fans, we, we should say we're in Holborn and you've just come down from the, the, the hallowed ground of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that's, that must be an experience for you. It's always, it was, and it was beautiful. It's always a little disconcerting when I'm speaking with folks that grew up being Premier League fans and someone that's come to it a little more recently as an American sports fan. But, and then it's even more embarrassing to tell the story I'm about to, but I, but I, I had pledged my allegiance, if you will, to Liverpool years and years ago. I was actually working at SFX at the time. And I'm like, I need to pick a Premier League team. We represented Michael Owen. And I'm also like a massive Beatles fan. I know that sounds weird because, you know, who's not and millions of people. But I'm like, well, that's just obvious then. It all kind of makes sense. That will be my team. And follow them loosely over the years. But more recently, I have a, a dear friend... Uh, here in London that that is super hardcore and it just became like okay I'm now committing so over the last six years or so it's just been something that's been fun to follow so I'm trying to play favorite players well well Virgil van Dyke's my favorite player on the team because I just can't yeah. I, he amazes me with with the smoothness with which he controls yeah that, yeah he's like a machine his, his a... space back there I love Bobby Firmino I was kind of yeah. bummed when he left but it was definitely his time just I love I love the passion that he brought Trent Alexander Arnold I think is is will be one of the greatest players ever to play the stuff he can do and delivering a ball is great yeah obviously a, a Mo Salah fan and and happy that he's kind of back kind of almost happy that he has this little injury <laughs> coming back so yeah 
I mean, and what about the other bits to your fandom? So, what's the American side, the the mirror image of that? Oh, as far as my sports fandom, yeah, uh, I'm I'm primarily committed to the Chicago teams. I spent most of my life in Chicago. My children live in Chicago. A good number of other family members there. I didn't grow up there, so I get a lot of grief about um, some changing loyalties over time. I'm the first to admit it. But I did so much work while I was in Chicago with with teams there, and then raised my children there, that Chicago is a sports fan. So Cubs yeah. on the Major League Baseball side, Bears on the NFL side, Blackhawks on the NHL side. Believe it or not, um, even though I was in Chicago during a lot of the uh, Michael Jordan years and got to see him a lot when he played in college, the Bulls were kind of the, the lower end of my fandom. I'll pull for them. And I think that some of the, the you know players they have now and 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 you know, where they are is fun to follow. But I don't really have an NBA team. I used to do a lot of work with Staples. They were a big client of mine. Right. Staples Center uh, was the facility where the Lakers and, and the Clippers, yeah. at least now, uh, are playing in, uh, as well as the LA Kings. And so I used to joke with people that I, I pull for Staples Center. So <laughs> I, I, I became, I remember I was, I was born a Lakers fan because I was born in Southern California. So the Lakers were my first NBA team. But I'm not necessarily a fan, but, but with Staples Center, I'll pull for them. And some, sometimes the business drives you a little to where your fandoms. But my core teams, the Bears and the Cubs, are, are, are big ones. Now, on the Major League Soccer side, partly because a friend works there, is, is the New York Red Bulls, which is, when I say that, sometimes people laugh and say, how can you pull for Red Bull because of Money Grandma's F1? But that doesn't bother me. Your network there, trying yeah. to work out. Right, right. Give I don't let give myself go there. I did, right? I, uh, sports fan. <laughs> doesn't have to be logical. <laughs> I like the I like that you pledge allegiance to Liverpool. It's like that feels like a very American, <laughs> a very American thing. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I hope that doesn't come back to haunt me. What's your job? What do you do all day? So, I'm the head of global sponsorships for MoneyGram, and uh, as of right now, because our history uh, was not big and hasn't been big in sports sponsorship, so it is it is largely focused on. Uh, making sure that we make the most of our involvement with the sport of Formula One, which is primarily centered around the MoneyGram Haas F1 partnership. So that is working with all of our internal teams to make sure that we're maximizing resources, obviously working and managing the relationship with the team uh, in the personnel and the marketing department, as well as, as, well as the, the drivers. And then just making sure that the company understands where we're going with this relationship. There's, so there's, you know, we're in our second year or about to start our second year of that partnership. So there is a lot of internal communication that needs to come on uh, as, uh, as well as all of the activations that we're doing. But we, we believe we have a really great start in what we're trying to do in the sport. But of course, in the role, it's important for me to make sure that I'm understanding where else we may be going in the future, what we might be looking at, what are the things that make sense, what are the trends in the business. But I will say this, that one of the great things about working at MoneyGram is, is that we truly are a global company. I mean, we're inherently global, which, of course, Formula One is as well. Uh, and that part of the job is, is uh, very exciting to me. And I happen to get to work with just an amazing team of people and a company that has a really good mission. It's quite underrated, I think, the internal question, because people quite often jump to the brand and they talk about the sort of visible activations that a brand is doing and that's a lot of the conversation around the marketing press and the trade press around sport the internal audience i always think is in some ways more tricky and it's not 
it's as nuanced and it's also there is that lever of hang on we've spent this on this sponsorship comes with a people see the price tag and they see that okay the big splash and that always comes from an internal perspective there i remember talking at a big bank and they just done a big deal and a lot i was expecting them to be yay and actually there was a lot of hang on you know why did you not that that the opportunity cost yeah you're giving money. you're giving me bad flashbacks with what you just said <laughs> yeah. because but we've all because we've all had that we've all had that experience we don't have that at MoneyGram because there's a there's a genuine enthusiasm for what this has meant for the brand and what it could mean. That said, obviously we have to continue to work with people and 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 bring them along and involve them in any way we can because when it comes down to it, they're the people that are working either on a more localized level with either customers or agents in our case. So the communication and how we speak to people and how we bring people into that property is very, very important. But I've been, I won't say surprised, but I've been very encouraged by the fact that we're not having that. There's, there's true, true enthusiasm for what we do. Uh, we do a, uh, an internal employees only global communication every other week. We call it the MoneyGram Minute. And there is a featured part on this partnership every time. Sometimes it does, it's not that big, but usually there's something pretty cool to say about what we're doing, whether it's an activation or whether it's uh, uh, an address or an interview that one of our executives may have done uh, speaking about the partnership. So it's, it's really great. And, and we're able to communicate and, and get that word out about not only what we're doing, but why we're doing it. So to, let's talk about MoneyGram then, because I'm interested in the category. I don't quite know. So it'd be interesting just to say what, what it is. And, I, and we're, I'm going to ask you a question about where sponsorship fits into the whole right. scheme of things. But just let's talk about MoneyGram first of all. Well, well what's kind of interesting is it, I, f- I feel comfortable saying that more so than most sponsorships I've been involved with, there's almost an inherent overlap, which may surprise based on the category. But we're a payment services company, uh, truly global. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is we're an 80-year-old company. And our, you know, our background is in the remittance business. We're one of the global leaders in, in remittance. And and over that time, we have served a an immigrant community that is that needs to move money back uh, home and and stay connected via financial means to those people that they love. So that's in essence kind of what we have done over time. But uh, but there we have evolved over the last um, ten years uh, into a modern fintech that has all of the offerings of a, a modern financial services company. But our core business continues to be people sending money, businesses or consumers sending money cross-border. And we're now just adding all those elements that make that easier, speaking to a more uh, a younger, more mobile audience. And so the technology, and we have over or nearly 400,000 kiosks or locations around the world. I mean, we're, we're bigger in that regard to one of my former employers, McDonald's. And I'm not saying that, that it's on the same type of of, of level in terms of what is offered at those points, but people can pick up money and send money from, from a network of retail outlets. And that is kind of what we had been known for before we moved to more digitally. And now nearly 50% of our, of our transactions are on the digital side. In terms of the marketing of the business, we'll get to the, the, the F1 question in a minute and the sponsorship question. What else is there? I'm thinking, is it a big media spend advertising above the line it's it's not we are moving more in that direction i think you'll see a little more of us as as we get a little more aggressive and more confident with uh with our brand and you know we're constantly looking at 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 what we're able to say on a more global basis that that works across the globe 
Uh, but we also market very much on a corridor basis. And what, what I mean by that is, is, is sending money between our key markets. UK is one of our you know, bigger regions in the, in the world. Uh, there are people sending money cross border, but be it from India or countries in Africa or, or whatnot. And so we, we target those when it comes to media, we are targeting certain corridors for people to send and, and for that matter, uh, in those received markets as well. So from a, from a broad standpoint, there is a brand that is evolving in what we're saying to people, you know, uh, at large. Uh, and I think you'll see a continued evolution of that over the next year as we as we uh, unveil some new some new branding areas. Is that because you're a B, you were a B two B or you're talking? Is it a B two B brand that you want is going direct to their consumer in terms of a marketing? Is that is that well? What you're it's at? it yeah. It's just more that we're taking more control of the brand and kind of speaking to it yeah. on a on level and making sure people are aware of what the uh, what the use cases are. Whereas before it was more very directed and being able to be delivered at those retail locations through our agent network uh, as a form of marketing. Like, you know, you can go into the post office, for instance, and, and send money uh, and then pick up money on the other end, depending on where it's going. And um, again, it's just in, in with the ability to deliver more targeted media um, digitally now, we're trying to take advantage of that and say, now, you could see us down the road taking on more aggressive ad buys and, and being a little more visible even on the more traditional TV standpoint. But that hasn't been where we've necessarily been. So is it a differentiation question? So if I'm at, at, at one of your machines or I go into the post office or I, whatever it is I'm doing and I'm sending money home, have I got a choice between MoneyGram and someone else? Or yeah. is, it, is that wrapped up before I get even to that point? I'm going to... Is it a money gram versus someone else question? It's a differentiation question then. Yeah, it, no, it is. It, the, there are other choices, of course, and there's you know different choices and competitors in a, in a you know kind of a broad way. There there are certainly companies that that have been born out of the fintech, you know, kind of you know where where that whole business has gone, and literally were born as companies operating on the phone. We now have added those things, and and we feel we have a great platform. Uh, to be able to do it, so yes, people have choices to do it, and they can do these services often that we uh, that we offer through a bank. We will beat a bank on on pricing and and all those things, and we think our network is the strongest. We think our technology uh, is the best, and we think our service is absolutely where it needs to be in terms of of uh, driving growth uh, in our consumer segment. So it's not as though there there are we do do. Uh, business in some parts of the world, the Middle East, for instance, where it's a little uh, more white labeled, where we don't have a digital presence, but we do that through partnerships. Oftentimes, those are telecoms that have apps, and we provide the service through that because they're like these super apps, and uh, will be the will be the delivery mechanism on that. So we build, we do relationships and partnerships in different parts of the uh, world, meaning that we're doing business in almost all parts of the world, yeah. one way or another. So you must have looked. I mean, the company must have looked at crypto bitcoin and just said right okay well this is looking at a classic swat i'm thinking well there's pros and cons to this but that the story of bitcoin is a really interesting challenge yeah. to moneygram we actually will be, we have in certain parts of the world and will more globally non-custodial wallets where people will be able to hold buy sell crypto may not get involved with a specific coin or what that is, but the, the idea of the blockchain and currency uh, that is held is absolutely something we're, we're not saying not that. 
yeah. you know, we all know in the sponsorship game that the companies that, that were having problems in that space kind of fled and there were problems, but we, we, we believe in what that means and have products that will be able to facilitate the buying, selling and, and the holding of crypto. So I'm guessing trust is one of the key central messages. That's the, in terms of the brand message. It, it has to be. Yes, it is. And certainly when we're doing our checking on what, uh, and what, what we want people to be thinking of us, and those are the things that we're checking on. And, and, you know, we're very happy to say that, that those numbers have been, been going up and, and we believe that F1 has actually helped us in that regard. But it all comes down to the delivery of that service. I mean, you can have all the, the best marketing you want. And our CEO, Alex Holmes, says this all the time, that it's not just about the marketing spend. We have to deliver uh, on what we're doing. So, yes, they have to trust that when they're choosing us to get money to someone. And oftentimes the reasons they're sending money are really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that money has to get there fast and it has to be safe. And if there is a problem with that, they have to be able to um, have access to customer service to get that fixed. Right. So how did we get from there to, let's talk about sport and sponsorship. What's, what does that do? What's the job of that, the Haas team and Formula One? And just take us through that decision-making process. Yeah, it was, you know, talking about the evolution of the brand. Along that, the company started looking at how, how do we tell the story of what we're what we're doing and what we're becoming and is there an efficient way to do that and there's certainly choices in the in the marketing mix that you can draw on you can do massive amount of advertising you can do massive amounts of pr you can sign endorsers and so forth you can do a lot of things you can do a mix of all those things where f1 came into the picture as a potential opportunity was does is there is there something that helps us very quickly tell a story globally that that has the ability for us to take that story globally and help talk about innovation and speed and some of these other brand assets that that we lean in on and i'm very comfortable saying that there would not have been another sport that's kind of the first big thing that's better than formula one to do that and i'm not saying that we're only doing this because okay now we can talk about formula one but it really does give you a surprising efficiency despite costs. And, and you guys are familiar that this is not an expensive sport to get involved with sponsorship wise, but efficiently give us a platform to be able to speak from on a, on a global basis and know that we're reaching people in the key regions that we do business in. But it wasn't as though it was just that easy. I mean, it went through a very, very serious vetting of, is this the right thing to do? I mean, the company hadn't done anything like this before. I had someone, I was, I was, doing an interview once and someone who was a sponsorship expert, he said, you guys didn't go from zero. I'm sorry, I'm going to use miles per hour here, but you guys didn't go zero to 60 in, you know, 10 seconds. You went from zero to 200 miles an hour. And he wasn't saying that just to be yeah. like, because... And by the way, you don't have to apologize right? for miles per hour. Right. Kilometers, that's a French thing. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you, uh -oh. stole, you stole miles an hour. Right, yeah. And, and so the, the decision to go to the title was if we're going to do it, we need to go pretty big because we could have been a logo on another car and it might have been a car that finished higher in the grid um, in 2023. But we wanted something with a, with a true partner where we could go in as true partners. And I know we throw those terms around in the sponsorship business maybe too much, but we actually feel we have that uh, with this particular, uh, pr particular operation right down to livery design, and uh, the team logo uh, and so forth. So 
you know, it's nice to be able to have that level of sponsorship where it's hard to remove us. It's not just kind of an afterthought because that then becomes part of everything that we say. So, you know, it was a, it was a rather big step uh, and a bold move, but it allowed us to kind of lay that groundwork that then we could then establish what are, what are the activation things that are going to work. Uh, that are going to be right for the strategy that we're going to put forth. And that strategy, just so you know, is that everything we do and everything we think about is centered around what this what this means for our existing customers and what it could mean for potential customers. So let's drill down that. What does it mean for the, for your customers? Yeah, I mean, what what we're doing is we're we're taking the idea, and it's not an, the absolutely most original idea in the sponsorship world, but that we're going to create the access and and make this and bring this sport a little closer to people and some of that is by creating exclusive content that we that we put on uh, some of our own channels uh, and then it's just and then it's just creating programs uh, uh, for instance we do you know, we in Vegas we did our biggest promotion of the year which was this you know drive your dreams to Vegas promotion where we we brought somebody in uh, you know to the most comprehensive experience you could imagine with meeting drivers and meeting Gunther and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. And having and it had yeah, and having uh, and staying at the same hotel that we were staying in, and paddock club tickets, and, and and pit lane tours, and track tours, and stuff like that. And we we replicate that in other in other key markets. But we'll also do Q and A's with with team members uh, where we bring customers in. We uh, wow. yeah, we'll we'll literally go right out to our existing customer list. And invite them to special occasions. Uh, one of the examples in Austin last year, the team always does a special livery for that race because that's considered the team's home race. It's the kind of now original U.S. Uh, race uh, had its 11th season this year. We wanted to do something. We wanted to add on to that, so we wanted to add to the livery reveal as well. So we actually invited customers from around the world, not just the United States, if they wanted their face on the car. And we sent that out to our best customers, and that's our premier rewards customers. So our loyalty program customers that have achieved a certain level of, of send. And we actually had to shut the site down in like 15 minutes, which, which we didn't want to do, but we had, it, we had too many people. And uh, so we ended up putting 300 faces on the car for, for Austin last year. And it was a great program. And then we brought someone in from Oklahoma uh, who is a, not only a customer, but a big F1 fan. And she's originally from Peru. And we just, you know, we did the reveal with her. She pulled back the, she pulled back the, the cover with Nico Kev and just had the time of her life. And she was just a wonderful person. And, and for us, seeing these customers and kind of learning what their stories are and why they're sending money and why they choose MoneyGram ends up being super helpful for us to even get better, hopefully, at what we do. Let's, go, let's talk about the selection point. Of, okay, you went the, the team title route. What other routes are available? Could you have done the same thing with, as you say, a Ferrari or a McLaren or a Red Bull? They're, they're always, the question is always, what happens at the, the middle to the back of the grid? That's always that people rush to, oh, well, what's the point of sponsoring a car that's at the back of the grid? Let's get to that point. First of all, the, the general question, are there other ways to get involved with the yeah. sport other than a title? And there certainly are. There's obviously, you know, secondary sponsorships on, on cars, supplier relationships. Uh, could become a sponsor of Formula One uh, and go that route, go the uh, pick, select markets and do partnerships with, uh, with individual circuits, possibly do activations at those markets. Do separate endorsement deals that may not involve uh, the team. 
Uh, all of those things are possibilities. Motorsport is interesting in that the the car is what the people are watching during the race. So the thing that they're following, the thing that's in competition in the race, sure, it's a driver, but it's 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 that team, it's that car. Yeah. And Formula One may be more so than most because the team concept is so important to it. So my feeling has always been that that's kind of where you need to be as a base. doesn't mean that's the be-all, end-all. There may be media things that you do and so forth and various other uh, points of activation. But the car gives you something right there. Some of that's visibility, and we get a lot of visibility. So we track all that information, and we're in front of people. So we have the chance to at least make that connection because people are seeing this on the car. I'm not saying that's where you stop, even though that's a pretty good amount of visibility that you get on there. And being being title, including being title of this team, whereas being title, you know, because different teams have different views of what title means. Yeah. Title to us means what we have with MoneyGram Haas F1. And I'm not sure that would have been the case, but it's, it's not as, there were other teams that were looked at and discussed and, I mean, listen, this is a sport where you, you see all these people all the same time. We have massive respect for everybody that's, that's in that paddock, of course. But we were able to get the positioning and the level, particularly for the beginning of our relationship, your involvement in the sport that was necessary to, to create the impact that we want. And that would have been difficult, regardless of where they were finishing on the grid. Yeah, it's interesting because titles have been a part of Formula One you know, always back to the tobacco days, obviously in Marlborough sure. McLarens of yeah. this world. And, and then you get to Red Bull, which is doing, you know, which again is a framing. So it's a different, feels like a different type of relationship or title. Um, it's very different. Yeah, yes. yeah. As a, you know, in terms of, of what it is. So you're right. And I'm wondering how that feeds. This is, this is a conversation about the sports business by people who work in and around the sports business. When title gets to the end, to a fan level or to, a, to a, your audience level, what's their view, do you think, of what a title means? And Because I, quite often people get confused about who owns what and what, yeah. what actually it is. I, I, your question's an interesting one, and I think we can all get like inside this business. I, I, I recognize that a, a typical run-of-the-mill fan might not necessarily care. The beauty of motorsport, though, I have always felt this, is that there is definitely a better connection between what happens in the actual competition and the sponsor than most sports because they are helping fund the operation. And, and that's what people are cheering for, back to the point uh, discussed earlier. I don't expect fans to, to understand the title sponsorship. In our press releases, we may say we're title sponsors of MoneyGram Haas F1. But people will see us linked to the team. Obviously, we're on all the kits. We're pretty visible on the car. Uh, the official team name is MoneyGram Haas F1. And back to that point about partnering on the logo, it's very integrated in, and we think a better way than, than some others, but that's our view. So it's not, it's not that we expect them to... We're not, we're not expecting respect or love just because we're the title. We have to do our part to make the connection with our customers and potential customers. And, and by that, I mean, we've laid the groundwork, we think, by doing this, and we have to make sure then we build that bridge to bring them to us or us to them. And that's what sports marketing, to me, really is. The beauty of it is we know we're playing off a passion point for them. So that foundation is there. Hopefully the branding is all solid and, and something people can appreciate. 
but we still have to put those elements to bring them in. We can't just sit back now and say, oh, great, we're doing this title. You, you should love us and, and support us because we're doing that. We know it's not that easy. Yeah. It's interesting the, 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 the nature of the value exchange, in I think, in sponsorship generally in terms of, again, looking at it from if you go back, people, there was quite often you are supporting the team. Your money is going to supporting the team. That's the value exchange and, and the idea that there will be credit accruing to the sponsor for that. There is a gratitude from a fan base to that. Or the other one is, oh, well, it's a commercial deal. It's all about money. There is a more sceptical view amongst the fans. Look at them. They're trying to brand in front of the audience. There's a duality. Yeah, there, there is. I, I don't think it's as evident in motorsports as in some others because it is, you know, we're chasing yeah. the bot. Um, I mean, the, move, the news that just happened this week, obviously, with the Madrid one is catching similar yeah. stuff. Is it just about the money? There are races, obviously, that go on that people will make that, that, that claim. And, and it is a business. So, that, so and oftentimes it is about the money. Uh, I think there's I think there's different types of fans. We do know because we you know we're in connection with some of them that we get a, we get a great amount of love for the fact that we're supporting the team that people love or the sport in that way. So, uh, but sure, there's some there's some people that that have that view that they'll you know these teams will do anything or you know, drivers will take any deals or the sport will take any deal about the money. And that's, that's okay. And that's kind of natural. And that's across all sports. It's not, it's not here. It's not in, you know, in, it's not the domain of any it's, it's country. Sort of, it's know, just it's kind sort of, of priced yeah. into Formula One. Isn't yeah. It? I think it's, I think it, you see that a little more. I think it is. Yes. I agree with that. I think, I think you see it a little more when it's, when it's just, you know, more and more logos. Major League Baseball, I think is a great example of that because it started as the single, behind home plate sign and now it's it's like you know there's like six signs now i think that is overdoing it i wouldn't want that as from a fan experience yeah. so i do think that the, the the value or the return on that investment to doing it but teams and leagues will go listen i've got to increase my my revenue and here are ways to do it and there are takers on it I, and i don't mean to bash that because i the the, the pressure that sales reps at any you know, sporting organization have is severe. It's significant. Yeah. And owners are always looking for, for more increases. So so that challenge is there. And in the same on a race car, you're going to say, I got to have more money. But I think that I think there's a little better of appreciation. But going back to what I said before, I think it's important that we show that we're, we're doing it for fans because that's kind of our whole rooting anyway. So we try to stay in contact. We try to do things that are fun and unique. We had a we had a little um, giveaway right around the holidays coming off of a holiday ad that we did that actually featured Gunther, Kevin, and Nico. And it was, a, it was a, a, the idea that, that Gunther had started knitting as a weird new hobby. And he was really bad at it, but that was what he was giving away. And it was a very funny spot that, that we worked at. And I worked on in conjunction with uh, the, our head of brand, uh, Michael Catanzaro, and, and the agent. And it was funny, and the guys had a great time. Kevin's acting in it is actually quite good. And then we ended up doing a social program on it that we made ornaments and we called them gifts from Gunther. And we had amazing, like, you know, social response in it because we were giving them away. And, and these just got out and everybody was posting them and thanking us and stuff like that. And that warms our heart that we're doing something fun because we were having fun doing it. Yeah. Like we do these programs and our social team is just like coming coming at us with ideas all the time and it's so much fun 
And then we take them to the team and say, are you guys game for doing this? And then we got to get the drivers to, to do it. And they had a blast. I mean, honestly, we put Kevin in a knitted, a knit fire suit or what looked like a fire suit, just kind of like shoddily made. I mean, that was the whole <laughs> idea. And he got in it. It actually fit him perfectly, which is amazing. And we're now actually going to be auctioning that off for Starlight Foundation here coming up. So that's something that's going out next week because we just had fun kind of seeing this. And, and you know, it, it, so those, those are the things that just get like so exciting because there are ideas that you do and then you go, well, that worked. Yeah. What more fun can we have and how do we actually bring people into it? So it's not only you're releasing an ad that people say, oh, that was a fun way to use the sponsorship. It's like, okay, what else can we do around that? Because people responded to it. That to me is what still keeps me super excited about the work I do. So we've got to ask the Gunter question. And I think within the Gunter question is, there's a, there's a few bits to it. One is there's a drive to survive element to it. He was, a, he was a star because of drive to survive to lots of people. There's drive to survive in itself in terms of how it talks to your value or the, the value of Formula One to a sponsor and what it does and where it fits into that sort of equation. Let's talk about Gunter first of all, because he popped in the, in the consciousness of, of sports fans. He was brilliant on Drive to Survive and he's obviously a great asset for a team sponsor. Now he's gone. How, what, just talk me through that and maybe start on the day of the news announcement that he's, he's gone out the door. You're very right. Gunther was a very unique asset as team principal, and we did utilize him in ways maybe different than other teams would do, and he had a certain marketability. Gene made a decision that that was not the direction that, that they wanted to go. And so we move on and are focusing on what we do and you know, we'll see where the performance is because that's obviously with the, what they felt they were making the decision on that we weren't involved in at all. And, you know, it's kind of funny because it, it harkened me back to when uh, when we first announced that we were going to become the partner. It was actually in 2022 at Austin. And it was before uh, Mick Schumacher had been let go from the team. And people were wondering if we were going to be involved in that and are we going to push an American driver and stuff like that, which is just so far from the way we think about this stuff. We're in it to do what we do and communicate with people. Now, we're looking forward to working with Ao Kamatsu as the new team principal. Um, but we know the, we know that may be very different. We're going to have to see how that, that comes out. Uh, but we're also, of course, again, looking forward to working with Kevin and Nico uh, in delivering the plans that we have. Within that answer, it's really quite interesting, which I hadn't thought about it in the same way or before, in terms of the value of sport is a balance of performance and marketing and its exposure and the marketing stuff and obviously the team principal or the Gunter figure sits across both of those it's like a sort of football manager you know that's a huge asset in some ways can be we're Spurs fans <laughs> Ange is now a huge asset but they've also got a win as well so there's that there's that constant thing and sometimes you forget you almost forget oh well yeah okay they've got to win sometimes there's no one at MoneyGram that doesn't it isn't cheering for this team to be running as upfront as possible. Uh, no doubt about it. But our plans don't necessarily change. The work we have to do and prepping for doesn't necessarily change. We want to know that the team is, is working and moving in the right direction. And, and those are things that have never been in doubt when it comes to communication with, with the team and, and, and will continue to be. There's an old expression in sports and doesn't necessarily mean for 
for sports marketing or sponsorship, but winning cures a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm not denying that that the visibility that we get or the ability to, to do different things could change. And, and, you know, we hope for that. And we're fans, so we're pulling for the... I mean, these are good guys. I mean, Kevin and Nico are really good guys to work with. And so so we we lean into that and we go and we cheer along. And if things move up the grid, then we adjust accordingly. So we, you know, we have to keep an eye on all those things. We don't deny that it's an important factor uh, and that it does change maybe how we go at things or what our visibility is. But we don't build our program around that. I mean, we went into it. We went into it. They weren't, you know, they weren't at the top of the midfield. But we have hopes and dreams. We kind of share that. I think that's the, you know, one of the reasons that, that Haas F1 was, was an interesting play for us is because we kind of saw ourselves in that scrappy, you know, a bit of an underdog mentality. We like to think of ourselves that way. And they, they had a, they had a work hard wanting to achieve, wanting to get somewhere that is somewhat against the odds. And, and that's always been appealing to us. And that has, that part hasn't necessarily changed. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, performance, performance, the sport is about performance. Our job is about the marketing side of it. And motorsport is a very good marketing vehicle. I had Jeff Burton, who is a former NASCAR driver and now is one of the NBC commentators on, on NASCAR. He actually said it differently. He said motorsport actually is just a marketing activity <laughs> and the drivers <laughs> are just kind of like, they're just working for that. <laughs> I don't think, I think, I don't think if you ask, ask, you know, Max or Lewis, right now that that was their only job but they understand because because the these the the athletes in this sport and the and the people that work in the sport the crew and they get this side of it very well and i don't mean they do it and they shill because they're out to win they're out to perform they're out to get better than they were the next day but i think that they do appreciate what it is that that we bring and like i said we're fans and when and in those times that we are on site on occasion, we're there cheering kind of as crazy yeah. as, as, as everyone else. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I see that in terms of the, sometimes you get football fans, Sean's one of them, he's always moaning about, you know, oh, the, the commercialization of the game, the game, we lost the soul of the game. You don't hear that in Formula One, do you? I think, well, actually, you know, it's commercial. Go figure, you know, that's, that's, that's part of it. So the sponsorship started after Drive to Survive had been up and running. Just talk me through that, because it feels like, without doing your marketing for you, it feels like that's a, a lovely marketing platform for the brand because as you say the drivers are also part of that and it's made stars of drivers yeah i mean i think drive to survive overall for the sport obviously has been very good and it certainly is a was something that that to us felt as though it could keep the sport you know going in a positive direction so yeah, we're fans of Drive to Survive. I, I will say that, and it and it does give you a whole nother avenue to at least be in front of people. Maybe people that don't follow it, you know, they're they're they, they're not the fan that has to follow it and get up at crazy hours in different parts of the world to catch the race uh, on that weekend. You know, the fact that it kind of is in arrears and comes out is a, is a little different, but I think it it certainly has made people love what's inside the sport. And since I've taken this job, and the people that you know, we're Drive to Survive fans before I was. And in the States, you know, COVID did wonders for, for that type of programming. And so when I, when I started this job, and I, the question that everybody asks me is, like, how real is it? And I don't tell them, honestly. But 
<laughs> but it's funny how, you know, because the storylines that they get, if they're not watching every every race or looking into the details and statistics of the sport, is largely coming from Drive to Survive. I honestly think they do an amazing job. And yes, sometimes they, you know, create drama lines and things like that. But they do an amazing job of, of capturing, uh, you know, the intensity of the sport and what goes on in this very tiny little community of, of 10 teams with 20 drivers, 20 cars, and this kind of circus of people that travel around with it, which is, you know, and other than in Miami, which is the kind of the paddock that spreads out forever, is a pretty tight little area where, where everybody knows everybody. And yeah, sometimes there's drama that happens in there. What's it like in the bubble? Because I've been to the paddock club a few times. I've been to Monza, I've been to Silverstone, I've been to, you know, a few. I'm not a Formula One fan. But bloody hell, it's fantastic in the paddock. And then there's, an, there's, a, there's a moment where you come out of the paddock club and think, oh, no, I'm, I'm, this is my, I'm back to real life now. I'm on a bus. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not being served champagne. I'm not, it's not canapé. Well, it's not, let's, let's, everything let's, is just uber. Let's differentiate between paddock club and, and okay. paddock because that's a, yeah. that's a, it's an interesting thing, and I have to do that. And obviously they're connected because the paddock club sits above the, the garage areas, which is part of the paddock. But and I'm going to say this through the eyes of a customer because that's the way we deal with it. When when we've had the opportunity to bring in Australia, uh, we brought a young uh, IT student living in Sydney uh, that came from Nepal, and he didn't speak that his English wasn't that great, but he was he was a somewhat of a fan, not a huge fan, but he he won this and he was a customer and we brought him in. And he meets, the first person he met was Pietro Fittipaldi. And he may not know who Pietro is. He was our reserve driver. But just the instant the conversation started up, and our guys are talking to this young man, and Kevin meets him, and Nico meets him. And he actually sat down. I'll tell you a funny story. He sat down with Gunther. And from Drive to Survive, you know that Gunther is a mountain climber. Well, what's Nepal most famous for? (laughs) They ended up in a 15-minute conversation about mountain climbing. And it was as though they were, neither of them had an accent. They, they, they spoke perfectly well together. It was one of the most amazing things I've seen. Again, a special quality of Gunther. But, uh, you know, we'll have situations where there's always a connection. And, and, our, and our guys, and I know other guys in the paddock, are great about finding that connection if we give it to them and making sure that that experience is great. So when we bring people in, when we brought this woman in from Oklahoma that was on the livery and she was at the centerpiece of one of the, one of the logos, that's what we did. We put their face in our logo, by the way. And she comes in and the first person she sees is Crofty because we had her meet David Croft, who's the voice of, of Formula One. And he is her escort, introducing her to Kevin and Nico and other drivers that he sees along the way and sitting down and then taking her out to the, to the garage to unveil the car with Nico and Kevin. It was, it, was, it was kind of amazing. So that experience when people get in the paddock and they see Lewis Hamilton walking by or scooting by or whatever vehicle he's on in that moment or Toto or Christian Horner, it's, that's very, very special. The paddock club, when you're up into that hospitality experience, just the free-flowing and availability of food and whatever you want to drink and various other activities is always... Kind of people are like, that's that's a bit crazy. But I'll say this, and we do do some entertaining in the paddock club, but we like bringing people down into the paddock when we can to get to get that special experience. Uh, but we're making sure that we're trying to address the people that are that are you know that are not necessarily uh, paddock club regular season ticket holders. But we are trying to bring them into that experience when we can, and we do usually include things like that 
in some of our packages. So have you suddenly become very popular? You know, within the company, is everyone now sort of no. trying to get an invite in and think, well, suddenly it's, you've got many more friends now than you did two years ago. You're the gateway guy into Formula One world. At my company? Or yeah, yeah. At, uh, or your family. You know, I, I used to always <laughs> joke about my, I was never able to really explain what I did for a living my entire life. And most people that, when I, when I said I was in sports and had seen the movie Jerry Maguire, they just figured I was an agent, which I'm definitely not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes people want to talk to you about stuff. And, and obviously other, other properties are looking at us and seeing if we're a potential viability uh, or viable partner. Uh, and that's great. We want people interested in money ground. And from a company standpoint, we want people involved and in, in wanting to participate in one way or another in the sport. So I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy to have any degree of popularity within any of those realms. There's a thing about the culture or, or sport sponsorship, a big sport sponsorship like this, and the, the education job that you're doing within the organization, and that goes from the, you know, the board all the way down. How does that work? And do you, what does that mean for the future? Is sponsorship something that's now on the agenda? They get it, they understand its role within their broader marketing. We're in, we're in no rush to add a ton of things. Um, we don't go at this as though sponsorship itself is an objective. It's a, it's a means to achieving things. So, so that part isn't like, oh, let's just do more of this because this is making sense. We are very focused on making this worthwhile. We're owned by a private equity company, MDP, out of Chicago. And they are very supportive of what we're doing. But we are looking at, you know, here's, here's the value that this is gaining. What can we do better? How can we uh, improve what other areas do we want to explore? And yes, from a from a leadership standpoint and out through the company, it's it's what are those things that what are those things that that we're looking at in terms of the sentiment of the brand, the visibility that our brand is getting when we do run programs, if they're regional, what are we doing in terms of bringing more people to us and are we converting them and all those all those things that companies that are doing sports marketing should be looking at and are looking at. And how do you go about controlling that? Because it's quite as you say. One of the advantages of sponsorship, it gives you a platform, but it, it's also a platform to do lots of other bits of marketing right. in different ways. And it can very quickly get out of control. People can start to say, well, how does it work? Is it working? Right. Isolating attribution is always one of the biggest yeah. challenges of, of sponsorship marketing. So we have to look at things in aggregate and look at things in a lot of different ways. And we may not come out and say, this is absolutely because of this. But if we look at a variety of things, we should be able to say, yes, this is contributing in these areas in looking at you know kind of a broad you know do, do people know who MoneyGram is globally and are those going in the right trends and then looking at that from a formula one fan standpoint you know we're seeing we're seeing what we believe are very logical increases in in those areas that that lead us to that and the more data that we can add on to it uh, kind of furthers our ability to isolate those things we we're having a discussion just um, yesterday with a large team about a promotion that's coming up. And we were talking about what we were able to glean from our Vegas promotion as far as bringing new people to us, how many of those people that entered were existing customers, how many transactions we were, you know, came from those customers, what were those transactions motivated in a different way than a normal transaction during that time. And for new people, you know, did they, did they become customers and make a transaction and are they still with us? So all of those things are things that take a lot of follow-up. And you have to be very diligent uh, in doing those things. But we're working on making sure all those mechanisms are in place 
uh, as we look to you know, measure those. Okay, so final question, hopes for this season. What, what's your ambition? Both, it can be a, the team or it can be the, the company or whatever it is. Yeah, I, first of all, I think the ambition is that it's a great season. You know, there were some challenges with last season overall uh, on the competitiveness front, which I think, you know, wasn't, wasn't necessarily great. No one's fault other than, you know, Red Bull really dominated. Uh, and that has some challenges when it comes to uh, interest in the sport on a on a regular basis. So I'm not I'm certainly not wishing anyone will, but I am hoping that the season overall is is a is a competitive one on the track. Obviously, we're very excited about you know seeing what uh, AO is able to to bring to this team and and see where this team comes out of the box. There's certainly challenges coming off of what happened last year. So I think our expectations are are realistic there, but we're going to be pulling for them. Uh, and then as it relates to what we're doing, again, and on the focus of the marketing side, is is just doing more of what we did really well, introducing uh, what we're doing to some new markets, trying, continuing to try some new things, building new relationships with with customers and other people that can help us further our message. So we got a lot planned. It's very ambitious. We're doing, we have, you know, livery reveal coming up here. We're having a launch event. Um, we then do, uh, at test in Bahrain, we do something with a customer there to really start things, um, as well. And again, just kind of build the season uh, through. So, so we have our work cut out for them, but we're excited to take what we did last year and make it even bigger and better. And you've got a podcast of your own to keep going. Arrival, I, arrival I, sports I, business I, podcast. It, yeah, I don't know. I guess so. we're all, you know, podcasters have to, have to kind of stick together. So yeah, yeah. wait, wait, what we're sports biz chat with DP and McGee. Yeah, we have we have fun with the podcast. It's been a little difficult to get around to doing it as often. Uh, people as we people did the first quite year, often, but. you know, people say to me, "It looks really difficult." This and how, and I say it is really hard. Don't it's don't try. So hard. It's so, really difficult. So the so, barriers to entry are enormous. <laughs> yeah, the, for for actually getting out and getting a quality one done, you'd think the barriers of entry should be a lot harder <laughs> because it's like, sure, yeah, yeah. let's do a podcast. Yeah, don't tell anyone how easy it is, for God's sake. Right, listen, good luck with the season, and thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate the time. Thank you.